Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 100 for Tuesday, March 22nd, 2016. No, you're not hearing this incorrectly. This is episode 100. It just, you know, took a little while to get going. Uh, If you've been listening to the show a long time, you know that every 25 episodes we do a quarter quell, which is a term we totally invented ourselves and it's not from any major franchise. Did we start doing it before... Yes, not a major franchise. We started them before the Hunger Games movies existed. We read the books. We read the books like awesome people. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, I just want to. I just. It's important that our listeners know that I have never so much as opened a Hunger Games book. Well, not that they couldn't assume that for themselves. You've participated in now two 100th episode quarter quells. This is true. So yeah, this is our hundredth episode uh, for the second time. If you've been listening a long time, and uh, for this special quarter quell, we brought in our significant others. That is husbands, fiancés, and girlfriends uh, to talk about their lives with us. Uh, this episode, we'll basically each member of the podcast will be swapped out with their significant other and kind of interviewed and discussing what our lives are together. Um, so you get a chance to learn about us, to learn about them, to uh, kind of hear about the touchstones in our various relationships. It should be noted that, I don't know, Dave, the maester of fighting in the war room, probably knows better than I do, but we did an episode where we brought on family members or yes, people we did. really close to us. And, um, you know, that was peering into the past and how, how we became these fools that we are. Uh, and this, it's odd that we decided to do this because we had been talking about doing something like this for a, a long while. And then people who listened to the show started tweeting at us, telling us to do an episode like this, which I find very strange. Uh, so it's all kind of come together for people with an outside perspective on us, uh, Right at this very moment, who put up with our shit in real life? Can you imagine? Like, I know these people. You you out there only listen to us for an hour or so each week, and Jesus, these people live with us. Yeah, no, I mean, if you if you think you have complaints listening to the show and hearing us talk about stuff, imagine what all these poor souls have <laughs> if, to go through. Yeah. Although, if only I could get away with an iTunes review from these people. In fact, the Billions podcast is doing better at my own life than I am. <laughs> God. Although what you'll learn in this is that many of them choose not to listen to us talk about pop culture and uh, kind of let us deal with that on our own time, which is hard one of to the blame them. Interesting things. Hard to blame them. And I also find it charming that uh, we've been doing this show so long that when we started, none of us lived with our significant others. Now all of us do, which is what made this episode kind of so easy to put together. So uh, I hope that you guys enjoy it. This is uh, you know one of those personal episodes that people seem to like. So hopefully this one lives up to the standard. Uh, the order that we're going in, we're having uh, Elisa, who is David's fiance, first. Michael, who is my husband, and then Michelle, Patch's fiance, and then Java, Dave's girlfriend. You know what's kind of cool is we're going in chronological order of when we met the person we're with. Seriously? Oh. Yep. No. Yeah. Oh no, you're right. Wait, you met Java after Patches met Michelle? Java wasn't around for proposals. Well, we weren't like Man. romantically involved. Well, spoilers. Oh. But, hey, guys. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> I think we're going in chronological order. Close enough. Okay, all okay. right. Patches, start the conversation. Sure. All right. First up, who are we with? 
Who are we with? Who are am you? I, am I supposed yeah, to this answer is, that? This is your cue. <laughs> it's a very formal interview. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who are you is our first question. We're in the biz of interviews, so you yeah. know we're professionals. You know we're right asking the right questions. Who are I, you? I feel honored to be in your hands. <laughs> um, my name is Elisa. I am living with David Ehrlich. You've survived so many years. Um, so many. Okay, so yeah. You are engaged to be wed to David Ehrlich. That's it's right. true. It's true. It's actually... What's today? The fourteenth. It's been a month. Exactly. Oh, what did he get oh. you? <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Elisa, <laughs> Elisa, what do you? What do you do? What? How do you? We know what David does. God, do we know what David does? But what do you do? What is your, your um, background? Have, You're an artist. I'm a graphic designer. Um, I feel like I should have my rap on this a little bit more clearly, but there's there's such a wide range of people who have no idea what a graphic designer does at all and people who are like kind of like oh yeah branding that means something to me (laughs) um so yeah i'm in graphic design it's mostly branding so i make a lot of logos and systems for various companies systems yeah um well because a lot of what i do is like the logo is a very small part of it but it's really like a whole uh system like a package like Like, like all the fonts that are on their website and like define who they are yeah, it's like a it's like a type hierarchy and how they make anything that they make like ads or websites or anything. There's like neon signs. Some, yeah, there's like a certain identity. Yeah, that yeah. comes anyway. So how, how did I you do. and David end up meeting? You're, these two circles don't <laughs> cross. I don't know. Uh, well, we met in college, um, so we were actually friends for a long time before we started dating. So I met David sophomore year of college. Um, I was actually, I could figure out the exact date because it was opening night of I Heart Huckabees. Oh, oh hey. Um, just date. Yeah, whenever that was, sometime in October. Uh, 80 years ago. We're all very old. Yeah, like 100 years ago. Um, but yeah, we met, we met in Tom's Diner on the Upper West Side. He told me that he was from Hawaii, so I instantly thought he was a jerk. <laughs> And, <laughs> not um, true either. Very untrue. <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't know what he remembers none of this at all. <laughs> um, what he does remember is that we were like hanging out in someone's dorm room later that night in Wallach, and um, we're like listening to Nutramilk Hotel and getting high and talking about Radiohead. Yeah, he, Whoa. He that sounds like David. That is college. Like, yeah. All- Really? That's every day of David's life, as far as I know. No. <laughs> Not much has changed. No. Oh, and it should be noted um, that Tom's Diner is the famous diner from Seinfeld. That was uh, is called Monk's Diner on Seinfeld, but that exterior is that one. So it's a, yeah. it's a not cinematic, but pop culture uh, appropriate location. Indeed. And I was super obsessed with Seinfeld growing up, so that was very exciting uh, to me. And also disappointing when you see the interior and realize it's completely different. Yeah. <laughs> now, so David lives and breathes movies and it seems like he has for eons um yes do, or do you feel are you the same way is that where are you guys on the same wavelength in terms of oh loving, i'm loving film i'm nowhere near the level of obsession that david is um, how many criterions did you own before david <laughs> <laughs> i don't believe i owned any criterion editions of anything <laughs> um, do you I, now or i mean have you just merged with why the, would i buy <laughs> 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 True. Gets them all for free exactly 
Um, yeah, no, like that's like the one part of the movie collection that is endured in our living room is just we have a wall of Criterion's and then like a subsection of Blu-rays. Um, and but no, none of them are mine. Um, <laughs> I had always like fancied myself a film aficionado, and, and to some degree, my parents really like started that pretty early. I remember being slightly traumatized by going to see like Water for Chocolate in theaters. Whoa. When I was six. Whoa. Uh, wow. Yeah. So they were always like pretty good about exposing me to a lot of different stuff, which was something I didn't really appreciate until later in life. But um and just kind of like culturally in general, they're always dragging me to museums and dance performances and uh a lot of movies. Um so that was cool. And then when I got to college, I was, like, so depressed. I'm from California, and I had no idea that New York was going to be so different. I, like, didn't know what Louis Vuitton was or uh, <laughs> typically, like, bracelets, <laughs> and that was, like, a whole new world for me. So um, my one of my roommates was from L.A., and once we got over the fact that she was from Southern California and I was from Northern California, we realized we had a lot more in common and would basically go to... Kim's was, like, I think the only reason I got through college. Yes. Um, Many of us. I have in common with David. Um, but we would go to Kim's every single night, and there was a special where, like, I think it was, like, a dollar if you got a same-day rental, so you had to return it before they close. Um, so we would do that because we were cheap college students. And I just remember, like, most nights sprinting back to Kim's to try to make it in before they closed. Oh, this um, is when there was a Kim's on the Upper West Side. Yeah. It never existed. Yeah, it was like right, it was like right on campus, basically. For, pe- for people who don't know, Kim's video is basically a mecca for movie lovers, or it was until yeah. they pretty much all shut down the, the flagship store on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, I believe they packed it up and shipped it to Italy. Italy. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a, a great, really? there's a, yeah, a Karina Longworth story from the LA Weekly, story. I think, about it. It's great. Um, but yeah, so now it's gone. So I don't know where people go to learn, to educate themselves and to just drown in movies. Yeah, the way I think there's like one place in Cobble Hill or something. Terrible. Left. Oh yeah, the place that Aaron Hillis runs. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Elisa, is that, what's your relationship like to movies now? Like it got you through college. Like, is it still a refuge thing for you? Do you watch movies as often as you did then? Absolutely not. I mean, college was a time when, well, first of all, it's like a time in our lives when what, you listen to and what you watch sort of meant so much more and I think it was one of the reasons why David and I became friends is because at that time when like if you have a certain number of things that you like in common it's that whole high fidelity thing it's right like, <laughs> um so and it's the, kind of the same way my parents met too they bonded over Bergman and like that was it for them that is so, great wow yeah my mom had seen the seventh seal like five times in theaters and when my dad heard that he was like oh okay wow you're genetically inclined it's like it's like a a thing so like radiohead done um so i just i remember that with with film and with music and so many things just being just so voracious at that time in my life and being so obsessive about it and now i just i just literally don't have time and energy to be as all-consuming as i once was it's a. It's totally fair. Yeah. It's a good idea, actually. Don't be that in the movies. Yeah, do you have be in the world? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do, do you have a favorite movie? Do you have something that you oh, treasure? God. 
past That's or really present? difficult. Um, it's not a well, fair question. It's maybe. not a fair question. But I, well, I, what, what about like, just, do you still challenge David's opinions in movies, even though you feel like you may not have as much time to devote to like discussing them or taking them in as he does? Yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit. I mean, I enjoy talking to movies with him, and I don't really have problems expressing my opinions about them, even if they're different than his. Um, I do wish I got to see more. We did just go to the Metrograph for the first time last night, which was really fun. And we saw we, we saw Masculine and Feminine, and it did remind me that like one of my favorite movies of all time is 400 Blows, which is not very original. But, um, it's a pillar. Oh, God. And like, what do you love about it? I love just the, I mean, Antoine Duanel is just the best when he's a little kid and his, the nuances of his expression. The scene that's my favorite is when he's talking to the therapist and just these little like impish grins that he gives when she's like talking to him about prostitutes. But um, just like the whole pace of it and the very like nonchalant way that it moves through the story and sort of picks up on little themes and drops them again and how like you kind of realize at the end what you've moved through with this character but the day-to-day like the minute-to-minute is so kind of natural and casual um and the score is just amazing and i don't know i just perfect movie yeah so good well, well described. I feel like <laughs> you would be a welcome addition more often on this podcast <laughs> yeah, than any of us, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What was the question? What? Do, oh, no, we got there. That was okay. the answer. It doesn't matter what the question. <laughs> okay. Was. No. So, I think you guys. I think you and David are probably on the same wavelength in terms of what what you enjoy and what you don't. But what what don't you see eye to eye on? That's a loaded question. But I'm sure there have been films that baffle you that he loves. Because he's a, you know, he's, it's, he, he loves it, he hates it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And uh, I think one of the things I appreciate most about David's uh, relationship to film is that, I mean, I, I feel like, especially listening to this show sometimes, um, people think he comes across as being like overly pretentious. And I just, I have to say like, whatever he says about anything is a hundred percent what he believes. And he kind of has no distinction between really highbrow stuff and like really ridiculous silly things like if he loves it he'll love it. I mean I think the two movies that he came home I don't know if he's going to be upset about me about this but um <laughs> came home crying like in tears over last year were Carol and Magic Mike XXL <laughs> so like just the spectrum um from the, the very silly and sweet it's not for show. Serious, yeah. It's not for show. It's like a hundred percent genuine. Um, what we don't see eye to eye on, I feel like mostly it's television. Um, Are you like, watching People versus OJ? Because we've been trying to talk about. No, I haven't. I there's right, so both. much that I haven't gotten to yet. Like well, I you should do it and then talk him into it because we need <laughs> we need more forces here. I'll see what I can do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, mostly it's like I have. Like reluctantly, and it took a lot. It took several years for me to get to this point, but I am now like a hundred percent in on Shonda Rhimes shows. Like I will, Ayo. I watch all of them, even How to Get Away with Murder. Um, What's and, the appeal there for you? 
it's it's insanity. Like it's just <laughs> completely fantastic escapism. It has nothing to do with my life whatsoever. And I can come home after like a really long day and like have a glass of wine. And are you saying Nanda Rhymes has never written a uh, David like character into one of her shows? <laughs> Someone who resembles David. <laughs> Oh, yeah. God. I That's a loaded question. I say that that is, that is true. That it's not. Um, and meanwhile, David loves really bad reality television from on like MTV and VH1. I think the only one that I can sometimes tolerate is that one like, are, are you the one with like the 10 couples that have been matched by supposed experts, what? but they don't, and they have to find who their match is. Is that a VH1? What, where is I that? I think it's a VH1 show. And um, it's like this mix of, do they follow strategy or their hearts? And it's insane. But um, <laughs> I can get into that one and all the other ones I like, I cannot, like, it makes me upset and I have to leave. Um, and there are a few things I can't think of other examples of that, but there's like a whole genre where like I just get so frustrated that I can't I can't tolerate. They're like too stupid. I can't look at but them. But it's not so it's not the like pretentious movies that David watches that you that you're out on. It's the dumb television. Like you'll watch yeah. four hundred blows with him a hundred times. For sure. I don't think he'll watch four hundred blows with me. <laughs> <times>. <laughs> I don't know if you'd want to. I don't think I guess the better question is how many times you saw Carol last year. I, I've only seen it once. I think um, and I was really reluctant to see it with David because by that point he'd seen it like three times and I knew how obsessed he was and I was kind of upset about it because then I felt like I couldn't have like an authentic experience with it myself because right. I had so much of his opinions weighing on me. I guess that's what's probably affected my movie going experience most is that I hear about every single movie and I see like 10% of it. So there's this weird scenario where like people at work or someone will be men talking about a movie and like whether or not they want to go see it or what their opinions of it is. And I'll have like all of these opinions in my head, but none of them are mine. And so I really <laughs> want to participate in the conversation and be like, well, David thinks that it's ridiculous because they're all saying something contrary to that. And I, I want to stick up for it. But I was like, I cannot... Like, none of this is actually based on my own experience, right. which is a strange position to be in. Like, I guess that's the hardest thing. And when I reflect on, you know, someone having to live with me, someone who sees <laughs> movies all the time, and I'd be curious to hear what you think, but just like, there, there must be a give and take, right? That uh, we're over, we might be overly critical. Or we always want to talk in a critical manner. We want to talk through movies. We can't really just sit back and uh, enjoy them in so on some level. Although we, we love movies, so. We enjoy plenty, but you know there's a lot of complicated uh, conversation that we go through with every single thing that we watch. Um, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you maybe you pick things up from that, or maybe you learn about a person if they constantly talk in that way about a particular thing. Is it is it a hassle or is it <laughs> something that you can actually learn from? I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of it. Like he does come home and want to talk about. The things that he's seen and sometimes he'll I think the thing I get most annoyed about is not the the type of discussion but that he'll overspoil things for me and he'll sometimes say like oh you're never going to see this movie and then like not wait for my response and then just spoil whatever <laughs> it is and like oh, I brought this yeah I've like I brought this to his attention so I think he's a little bit more aware of it now but it's like I did actually 
what was it? Oh, Phoenix. I'm like, God damn it. I wanted to see Phoenix. And like, he's told me exactly everything that happens, which doesn't prevent me from potentially going to see it, but it's just, you know, it changes my experience of it. Um, so no, I mean, I, I don't mind talking about movies and I don't mind knowing more about them. I mean, I, I, it's a wonderful resource to have because while sometimes like I, I kind of avoid knowing too much information before I go into see a movie. Like I don't like, sometimes I'll wait to hear your guys's review after until after I've seen the movie, because I just kind of want to go in and be surprised. And, um, but what is handy about having someone like David around is he'll know, he knows who I am and what I like and what is frustrating to me or interesting to me. So with one word, I can just be like, David, should I see this movie? He's like, no, it's not at least a movie. Don't go see the witch or whatever. Um, but so like, that's a handy thing to have just like instantly know whether or not something will be probably worth my time or not. Sure. So you're, a, you're a regular listener to the podcast then. <laughs> Stop trying to recruit people, Katie. No, this is no, this is interesting because I feel like we're not not everyone's going like you know. When no, no. You get John mine has on, never he, heard the podcast. Like, I don't think. Yeah, neither has Michael. Like, but yeah. So, so at least, do you feel like the David on the podcast? Like, are people who are listening to this like getting a good sense of David? Well, I I, I feel a little defensive because I I feel like he can come across more like more of a pretentious asshole than he actually is. <laughs> Hence my description. Like he, that is actually exactly the way he feels. Like it's not putting on airs of any kind. And he just happens to have a large vocabulary. <laughs> like he's not trying to be <laughs> annoying about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you're hearing is exactly what he feels. I think. Um We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll wrap up. Katie, you wanted to read a review. So why don't oh, yeah. you read that thing and we'll wrap on that because that yeah, feels so appropriate. This is kind of like the question I just asked you, but this is a, a review that's on the most helpful reading on our iTunes page. That is describing us as a sandwich and uh, each of us is various <laughs> elements of the sandwich. And uh, David is the horseradish, maybe the mayo. Controversial, divisive, but an undeniably important component in breaking up the monotonous taste of modern sandwiches. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Does that is that a fair statement to you, Lisa? That sounds a hundred percent fair, except that I don't think he likes horseradish. But other than that, he's a very picky eater. David, here, here's here's how we should really wrap. Yeah, he's a very picky eater too. Super picky. That's what drives me. He does not eat vegetables. Do people know this? Oh God! I like I got him into kale, and now kale is like the only green thing he ate, and I can't move him beyond that. I'm like, look, we did so well. We got to kale. Like your mother is giving me pats on the back about this, but like I try to move into bok choy or whatever, and it like completely falls flat. Well, Elisa, good luck to you. Yeah. Godspeed with those efforts. Thank you. Thank you. Coming on the podcast. My Thank pleasure, Elisa. Bye. Bye. Testing. Oh, One, hey. Hey, Michael. Two, three. Hey. Sound beautiful. Yeah. What up? Sound Good beautiful. evening. <laughs> Welcome. I can give you my uh, morning announcements beginning roll if you want from high school. Did you do them? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Wait, uh, first, let's just jump right into this. We have Michael Baltus, a uh, husband of Katie, soon to be Indeed. father of Katie's child. Wow. Hopefully. I mean, I think it's his if child, If I last too. that long. It's definitely, it's definitely going to happen. Did, did my partner say that she lived with me? Is that what I heard? Yeah. Yeah. She, <laughs> that was she specified. This relationship is going to be more intimate. Oh, Michael great. Was, uh, I didn't realize we were allowed to eavesdrop on the other uh, contestants here. Yeah, you I broke suppose the walls. I should have done that. The <laughs> I was I was with our apartment is not large enough for me to get away from your shot, so I tend to put house hunters on really loud so I don't have to hear one quarter of the podcast. This is important information. So while we're doing the podcast, you're watching House Hunters International uh, or um, Micro House, whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tend the to one where they buy the domes. Island Hunters episodes. Oh shit. That's that's Lux, bro. We're dreaming big. Um Michael Baltus, what do you do for a living? What is your world? I am an electrical engineer. So my world is a basement in our apartment filled with screens and electronics. Uh, lots of programming and electronics design. So uh, while Katie is out here podcasting with you guys, she's actually sitting at my desk every day or oh. every week, rather. So yeah. uh, I always wonder: if, Are you more Rick Moranis from Honey I Shrunk the Kids, or are you more absent-minded professor, or are you maybe the dad who puts himself in robots in that Disney Channel original movie about? I'm clearly Iron Man. We all know. Oh. <laughs> hey, I saw the lighting rig that you guys did at your wedding. It was very impressive. I, I would say that Iron Man passed you. If you're going to put me in the category of some sort of like nerd who does electronics, I'm clearly the uh, the Indian dude from Short Circuit. <laughs> That's problematic now, Michael. Oh, yeah. is it? You know? he, he wasn't actually an Indian. He was an Indian. Oh no! Oh no! All of my childhood is is a lie. Oh my god! You're having the Aziz Ansari moment. Oh god! That was Fisher Stevens. He is not Indian, sadly. So we destroyed the uh, world. Well, his nerdiness is still cred, though. I guess it's true. You can separate so, those things. Did you did you meet Katie in in a a at an electrical engineer's uh, convention, or where did where did you meet Katie? Yeah, she she was totally trolling an electrical engineer's convention. Like, you gotta pick up a science, bro. <laughs> that sounds like Katie. No, uh, it actually uh, went that uh, we both moved here about ten years ago uh, to New York, and uh, we lived both of us on the Upper West Side, and I had uh, a couple roommates at the time, and we had a party where we invited. Some random chick we met at a bar a month or two earlier, and uh, turns out that chick was one of Katie's good friends from college, and they invited me to a party, and the rest is history. What do you guys... So, I've talked to you many times about movies, or the the fact that you don't really watch them, or anything. So, what do you guys watch? (laughs) (laughs) You fucking hate movies. hate them. (laughs) It's not fair. It's like as compared to people who are professionally paid to watch movies. I do not watch movies. That's, yes, that's true. Well, when you were growing up, were you watching movies or actually we we talked and and you you spent most of high school just watching movies? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I think I grew up pretty standard American suburban life where there wasn't much to do when you were a kid, but uh, you know, watch some TV with your parents, and then when you got old enough to drive. Uh, get the hell out of there and watch some movies at the local theater. So I had some friends in high school who worked there and, uh, you know, that, that entitled me to some, uh, double features that I perhaps 
wouldn't have been entitled to otherwise. Uh, so that allowed me to see pretty much every movie that was put out between like 1996 and 2002. Uh, and then my, uh, then I become a normal <laughs> movie viewer where I see uh-huh. like, you know, 20 movies every year instead of 70. <laughs> how many, how many bad romantic comedy or romantic dramas did you see with girls you were dating? Uh, I, you know, that, that presupposes dating girls. Oh, I'm so sorry. And you. as, you know, even as the drama club president in high school, you are not the cool guy. So, uh, you're the drama club president? I thought oh, you were yeah. a tech. Dude, nobody had more sex at high school than the uh, president of the drama club. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was actually a uh, tech dude, uh, and I did a lot of that technical theater and video production stuff in high school, but somehow I managed to convince them all to let me. Yeah, who elected you president? You weren't even an actor. Yeah, I, I, I suppose Seriously. Patches was indeed an actor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, mostly I, my high school life was just, you know, playing in a band with my buddies and yeah. hanging out in the drama club. So there wasn't much uh, romantic comedy viewing, save for the few that we were just sitting there to watch to make fun of. So, you know, it so was what one is of your, those. what's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, I mean, th- this uh, gets to a philosophical question about whether or not you can pick favorites. Katie okay. is my favorite favorite. Female of all time, perhaps favorite human, but beyond but that, not not your opinion of the best. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is uncalled for. That's um, no, but but it's it's hard. Um, you know, I, I think you can get into which movies shaped you and which you know bands shaped you, which albums, etc. And it's a lot about how old you were at the time and your brain developing and all that. And a lot of the movies that I really love are from uh, you know that period the late 90s, early 2000s with like, you know, you got like Requiem for a Dream and all that kind of weird stuff. And then you got Paul Thomas Anderson movies, which were really cool and formative for me. Uh, I just really love as a guy who approaches uh, all forms of art kind of technically, I love when all the pieces can come together and, you know, you've got the whole production that makes sense uh, and and seems to all be on the same uh, note and, that sort of thing is really important to me. And, and I think Katie makes fun of me because <laughs> I refuse to watch what I call the populist movies, <laughs> which is, you know, a bit snooty, I agree. But um, it, to me, the, a lot of these movies that are huge blockbusters these days, the note that they all hit is that they can get a, a huge amount of people to like that note. And I don't think that that's necessarily very interesting. I, I like things like Punch Drunk Love, which is this weird combination of color theory and music and drama. And, like, what does that mean? So uh, any, any of those things that really push the boundary uh, about uh, the combination of the production and, and the philosophical value therein, I would say, is my favorite kind of film. Blowing my mind. Yeah, can you appreciate? Can you appreciate one without the other? Like, can you think of something that's technically great but philosophically dull? Like a oh, sort of like. (laughs) Did you watch any of the three Blade movies? (laughs) No, but you guys are going to get mad when I say I think Mad Max falls under that category. Huh? And 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 I think it does have a, a good philosophical message, but I think that because the technical features are so much a huge part of the production that the philosophical undertones are, are in some sense fail to get bubble to the top beyond the technical uh, 
you know, facets of it. And then, ever, obviously, every movie that Michael Bay's ever made <laughs> is technically good, but but soulless and hollow. I'm not sure every movie he's made is technically good. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt there. The Rock. I mean, not. I haven't seen nothing, them all, but and I do love heart. The Rock. <laughs> the Rock is great. Revenge of the Fallen. Not but him. you will not be the only significant other on this podcast who has no. less than kind things to say about Mad no Max Fury Road. No spoilers. <laughs> well, it, like, was, it was quite divisive this whole year. I found it an interesting thing to talk about with, with people. You know, Michael, what do you remember seeing a movie with Katie like early in your relationship, or uh, was it? I mean, watching movies together. Can you do it? You know, some couples. Uh, they don't watch movies together. Yeah, yeah, we can do it. It, it. And it's actually kind of fun because we kind of come from two different angles. Like I said, uh, I'm this kind of hoity-toity, snooty, would love like philosophical backstories on everything and have some you know, real thick content. And Katie kind of comes from the other side, which is, you know, if the entertainment value is there and you've had a good time, then who cares about the rest? So we do enjoy watching things together because... Uh, our conversations become pretty interesting. You know, we don't just agree with each other on everything. Um, but to go back to your original question about <laughs> which uh, films we saw together that uh, stick out in my mind, there's a pretty good story. Uh, I think maybe about two months, three months after we'd started dating, Katie had started to get this whole th- situation where she could bring a guest to these movies. And like, to me, as a broke 22-year-old, this was the greatest thing that could possibly have happened. <laughs> so I was like, all right, all right. And this movie I'm going to describe, I don't remember the name, and I'm hoping that one of you can help me here. There was a movie in 2007, maybe late 2006, that was about Br- British slavery and the abolition of British slavery. And mm. I can't. I, I can't remember the British name. British slavery. British slavery. Well, anyway, the point being that amongst the movies that we've ever watched together, this one was like... Ama- oh, Amazing Grace. Yes, yes. Yes. That was the name of the oh, film. Oh, that's an like Ed Pressburn film. Uh, long story. Go ahead. Anyway, um, not a film I would necessarily watch again. And one of those things where I was like, wow, I don't really go see the movies I don't want to see. And the movies I don't want to see, they're... They're often very bad and yeah. not interesting. <laughs> Turns out our job isn't all uh, wine and roses, you know? <laughs> True. And so th- I, that is the hallmark moment where I was like, wow, when she invites me to a movie, I should like think about this once or twice, <laughs> decide whether or not this is actually even worth my time. Are you saying you need to turn to a critic just to vet the movies that Katie is dragging you to? Well, this is the, the, the worst part is that I have a wife who is a critic, and I can't trust her whether or not to tell me that the movie is worth going to. <laughs> and, and, and since then, she's obviously uh, learned my preference. So it's less often that I'm invited to the random C-rate movie and more often that I'm like, what, you can't get me into Star Wars three weeks early? That's true. You saw Star Wars at a – and on opening night, you saw Star Wars. Indeed I did. Nerd. Yeah. Yeah, nerd. You know, I qualify. Although we got in an argument about Star Wars because I was I was so so on it, and I think I think after the movie you were kind of slamming me for being too much of a critic about it. Well, am I correct you, there? Okay, so first of all, you're you're asking me to kind of like come out of my world, and and I'm commenting more from what I've learned about film from Katie. So like Star Wars 
wasn't actually part of the canon for me when I was a kid. It, I don't know. I just like missed it somehow. And I, I picked up on it later in college. So I evaluate this new Star Wars more from the lens of like, is this entertaining on its own? Does it look cheesy? And does the actual production all come together in, in a whole part? And I think it, it does succeed in all of those things. Not, it's not cheesy. It, it, it isn't cheesy. Uh, for the most part, there are cheesy moments. But I, I think that, you know, as a standalone major blockbuster-style movie today, uh, I liked it. I think that, you know, you have so many other major blockbusters that are just awful. So, like, I think <laughs> we should praise the situation. I like them all. I don't. David loves every single one. <laughs> yeah. Avengers, Avengers oh. Two, Ant Man. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Michael. They're all great. <laughs> See, this is the thing too. Is like I'm I'm not super into comic books. I was the kid who played with a lot of Legos and Erector set as a kid. So like the yeah, whole comic the book movie. The the whole comic it's coming book. patches. Don't yeah, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that out loud. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so that whole thing kind of passes me by too, and uh, it, which I think is a little bit weird. You know, it's like. All right, we're trying to market these movies to the most people possible, but you're actually leaving a whole group of people who are the target age for marketing. You know, I'm 32, and you're leaving them at the curb because they don't have that experience in the first place. And I think that that's kind of weird. Why are why is there not a whole another set of movies that are blockbuster style, big effects, et cetera, et cetera? That you know, like based on MacGyver or something. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's shaking his head. Well, I can just, just tell. The, the Power Rangers movie will come along. We'll all be like, "Oh, this is getting this is getting weird." Dave, I said it was thirty-two, not twenty-seven. Hey, man, <laughs> close. Yeah, what was what was the Power Rangers of your day? I, I, I mean, the, the power. I remember that the Power Rangers were just after. Yeah. Like I was in like third grade, being like, "No, no, 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 no Power Rangers, <laughs> Power Rangers." Wait, wait, wait! No, you had to have like <laughs> the Power Ranger pogs had to be the first ones you wanted to get rid of. Like that had to be your age group. <laughs> now, now you're talking. You're swinging right in my wheelhouse. The pogs definitely a thing. Michael was I, clinging to VR troopers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly don't remember much troopers or even oh. like action figurey stuff when I was a kid because again, my parents were super into the. Like, you're going to build things and become an engineer. I was like, well, that <laughs> they did out. it. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. Well, I do remember that uh, we would, when pogs were a thing, I was like, those slammers, man, they're, they're expensive. Dad, do you have like a bunch of these like fishing lure things that sink it to the bottom made of lead? What if we just melt them all down and make a giant slammer? <laughs> and then my slammer was de- deemed uh, ineligible and illegal. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Too slamming. Yeah, that's right. I made my own DIY slammer. That's what. If anyone <laughs> listens to this, this is all the takeaway is, is that Katie's nerdy wife made a DIY slammer back in the nerdy day. Nerdy wife. <laughs> or, Don't gender uh, him. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> nerdy husband. Be the wife. Oh, you can be the wife. It's 2016, patches. <laughs> yeah, you can be I like your tone. Everyone can be everything. Everyone can be everything. Uh, Michael, to, to kind of wrap up here, um, well, one, I want to know if you guys ever saw, if you didn't see Eye to Eye on anything, if you've ever argued over a movie. Over a movie? I mean, yeah, we'll argue over pretty much every Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> I'm like, don't make me do this. I will go to the other room and work on something if I have to watch, you know, fast, 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 fast again. <laughs> That's the proper name. Wait, was that Fast Five or Fast Six? Like, I, I, yeah, Fast? I, I, exactly. I, I, to be honest, they all blur in my mind. But 
and I know that there are actually legitimately redeemable moments, and I have this weird... Not in Fast 6, there aren't. Well, <laughs> it's I have this six. weird thing where I'm watching it, and if I start watching it for real and enjoying it, I feel really bad about myself, so then... <laughs> You know, it, it it just becomes a cyclic thing. But generally, it's those kind of movies where I'm just like, please no. Like, it did not contribute anything to my life. So, you know, a little hoity-toity, like I said. But Do you, do you think that, you know, we kind of have these distinct personalities? They're able to mesh. You know, you can love certain types of movies, certain types of music, TV, or whatever. But people are capable of meshing. You don't really need to love movies to love someone who loves them. How, how does that work? Do you think that's uh, something to I, overcome or it's something you figure out or what? I, I think I think it's about personality types a lot. Uh, you know, like if you have a, a, a relationship, a friendship or, you know, anything where you've got an A and a B, an alpha and a beta, that kind of goes pretty simpatico. You, it's easy to work out. But when you have an alpha and an alpha, which Katie and I kind of tend to be, we both like to be right and that so, sort of thing. Uh it's nice to have different expertise. Uh, if we were both into movies hardcore, we'd probably be arguing about it all day, every day. And, and, you know, she does that already all day, every day. So I think that it's nice for both of us to have, you know, uh, our own marching ground and then come together because it's pretty close. Anyhow, uh, you know, I was a music major as well as an engineering major. So I, uh, I have a lot of music experience. So, um, I think it's better that way than it's than it is to try to butt heads constantly. And I know that you guys each have relationships that are not necessarily as overlapped or more, but similarly distanced. And I think that's kind of healthy too, is to just uh, you know make sure you're not stepping on anyone's toes too hard. What was your emphasis in music school? Uh, I was audio engineering. So oh, I was going to say sing us off. Oh God, no, that's. <laughs> Please still sing us off. To this day, like, so it's funny. I, I don't often stand behind the microphone. I'm often the person doing the engineering and that sort of thing. Um, and it's bizarre to me. I haven't recorded anything uh, with my own voice in a long time. And it reminds me of music school where I had to do recordings in a room alone. Of They'd hand you, like, sheet music and be like, sing this, sight read this. And I'd Damn. be like, I can't sing to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thank you very much for coming and recording your voice one more time. I thank you guys for taking care of my fine lady for these many years. (laughs) It was a pleasure. (laughs) Indeed, and I hope to uh, grab a beer with you guys all soon at some point. Yes, Yes. that'll be the next quarter quell. We're just just getting drunk. The sound of the beer. (laughs) It'll be a combination interview slash drinking game where I make like an interview faux pas, we all have to take a shot. Well, Michael, thank you. We release you back into the back, wild. Back to the forest. Goodbye. All right. Well, good luck with the rest of these here interviews, and I thank will talk you. to you all soon. Talk to you later, Thanks, man. Guys. All right. Have bye. a good night. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs> Um, we will let you introduce yourself. Uh, who are you? Uh, my name's Michelle Said. I am a, 
a person in this world who happens to be engaged uh, to Matthew Patches. <laughs> it happens to be. Yeah. <laughs> woke up one day. So who are you? What do you, what do, you do other than guest on a uh, podcast? What do you do in the world? Uh, so in the real world, I, I work for a marketing or a marketing software company called uh, Media Math, and I do a lot of training, uh, doing a lot of lectures and developing content and that kind of stuff. Um, but I also previously was also involved in a online movie magazine called Bright Wall Dark Room. And are still involved to some degree, right? Don't you? Uh, well, I mean, ever since I, I got a promotion at work and then we got engaged and I was just like in terms of planning the wedding and like with all the added responsibility, I'm not really uh, working with them on anymore. Although I do want to get more involved one day, hopefully again, someday in the future. Well, you can so you, have, you haven't been excommunicated. It's just a uh, sabbatical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not a recovering movie writer. You're a on hiatus. Movie <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so how did you guys meet? We actually met at uh, for the first time ever at uh, David Ehrlich's screening for proposals. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, how appropriate. <laughs> right? Dave, Something there? good came out of that movie. Was I you there? there? Of course you were there. Yes. Oh my god, we were all there. I know, it was really funny. What a fortuitous uh, evening. <laughs> I was moving in uh, with Erin McCarthy um, at Met from Mental Floss, who happens to be a friend of the show, and she invited me out to this screening of uh, her friend's movie. And so I, I hopped along, and that's where I met Matt for the first time. And then you guys started dating not too long after that, yeah? Um, a few months, yeah. I think we met in the spring, and we started dating in the fall. So was Imagine it some... how different your life would have been had you not seen my stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. So, wow. <laughs> so you, being someone who was writing for a Bright Wall Dark Room, is something that you guys connected on? Was movies part of that? Was that part of your initial connection? Yeah. I remember vividly that one of our first conversations was just talking about our favorite movies. My favorite movie is Back to the Future. And um, him saying that he thought that the third was better than the second, and we had a discussion about that. I remember that very well. That discussion? You mean fight? No, not fight. It was just, uh, I, I mean, I thought it was just an interesting take. That, that's fighting words. In the <laughs> I didn't know if that had been a uh, <laughs> debate after that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely was just like, okay, so obviously this person uh, has an interesting take on movies. Is that has that continued? Do you still find his takes interesting? Or are they now infuriating? Um, sometimes infuriating, usually interesting. Uh, I I think that he has an interesting perspective on things, so I really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, in my experience of seeing movies with you guys, like you are as eager to jump into and like really dive into discussions of movies as any of us are. Like that is that something that's continued for you in the course of your relationship? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes we'll see a movie. I have to digest on it a little bit more before I can kind of come out on something. Um, so I don't really have those instant hot takes, <laughs> but uh, I do kind of, you know, once I, you know, I, I sit on it, I think about it, then I'll definitely come in and, and jump in on the conversation. What's the last movie you guys had a really heated conversation about? <sighs> um, heated. Well, I guess one way you could agree <laughs> or disagree, like that. But no, really both, hot, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both of you really riled up one way or yeah. another. Um, gosh, no. I mean, it was probably it was probably Mad Max. But... I, I, all right, I was going to ask about 
Mad Max. <laughs> this was an um, inevitable talking point that has already been referenced on the show. Oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, talk about uh, how May of 2015 went for you when uh, the world went crazy for Mad Max. Well, I didn't watch it until like a month or two after that. So um, I, we, we actually, you know, it was just the... You know, be, have you, if you're promised a feminist masterpiece, then you should probably get and be delivered a feminist masterpiece. And I just didn't think that that movie delivered. If somebody had told me that it was going to be a two-hour car chase, which I just don't really care for, then I would have, you know, just said, oh, that's not for me. That's just not my style of movie. So it was more a matter <laughs> of uh, inflated expectations, you think? It was inflated expectations. And I just, yeah, it, well, it was inflated expectations combined with the fact that I just was not very entertained throughout the whole movie. So there was a big, uh, there was just a lot of things going on. I don't want to like, <laughs> take over the entire podcast by talking about Well, you, she's, uh, for those out there who don't follow Michelle on Twitter, she's really carried the torch sort of against this movie, the, the inverse Carol uh, <laughs> against uh, Mad Max ever since seeing it. It's impressive. But you are to Carol, Michelle is exactly. the opposite to Mad Max. <laughs> I, I guess that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so so when you have disagreements like this and like you guys are arguing over something, I mean, I think everyone's had an argument with their significant other about something that isn't personal and then it gets nasty. I mean, do you, are, you, are you guys able to disagree on movies and then go to dinner and be normal or do you like get mad at each other? Um, we have had a couple of instances where we got mad at each other um, and it was probably my fault that I had just taken it too personally. But um, yeah, and then we're, but then we're able to recover eventually, <laughs> even though I'm right. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a flip side of the the Mad Max thing, right? With Frozen, <laughs> yes. I'm told yes, uh, where you are very pro Frozen, and Patches uh, in a in a rare moment of clarity <laughs> realizes that uh, it's not so good. Well, that was just a very I had a very emotional reaction to that movie. It spoke to me as a big sister of um, a younger sister, and I just felt like there was a lot of you know, emotion tied up in that as being an older sibling where you're, you just, you're always trying to kind of shield and protect your younger sibling. And yet not that like lack of communication can lead to deep rifts. Mm. And I just thought that really spoke to me on that emotional level. And I really appreciated it. And it like, it, it's the kind of thing where a movie makes you cry, even if you don't necessarily think it's the best movie ever made, it still has that kind of emotional resonance for you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how that movie hit me. And also, you're always causing snowstorms. And so, <laughs> also, the I am an ice queen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> late. Your ice castle is spectacular, though. Yeah. Well, thank Meaning you. to say. <laughs> so, but is that part of the appeal of the relationship to you that you can, like, there is someone who you can really spar with on these things? Like, would, do you feel like you would be arguing over movies no matter what and you manage to find someone to spend your life with who you can do that with? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I had never really dated anybody before Matt that had as much um, investment into movies and just that kind of, I don't know. For me, it was a hobby. For him, it was his profession. And I just hadn't really dated anybody like that before. And I'm, I'm glad to have it. Yeah. So I don't know. It's hard to say. When are you not glad to have it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, when am I not glad to have it? When we yeah. fight about those things. Um <laughs> but then it's like obviously I I I you know bounce back up and I'm like okay yeah no this is actually what I what I want. When do you how often or when do you choose to go see movies with him? Like what will get your interest? Uh if I get invited to a screening I will go usually. Um <laughs> if he doesn't have to take a coworker that that usually I get that slot. Um mm-hmm. and 
uh, well, we just saw Zootopia the other day because you I guys was, like, like paid to see Zootopia. Yeah, well, I wasn't. Well, he had a conflict for the screening, and I just I was like, I want to see this movie, so we saw it. Uh, but we normally don't really go out to movies that often. Did you connect to Zootopia as strongly as you did to Frozen? Uh, no, not as strongly. No, I did like it, but it wasn't. It wasn't that emotional kind of tie. It'd be weird mm-hmm. if you connected to Zootopia a little bit. I'd be like, also, I'm a savage. secret furry, so. Yeah. Oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> it's not so Just secret. Kidding. I don't know if you've listened to so many episodes of the show, but Patches talks about it from time to time. <laughs> oh yeah, do you, do you listen to the show? I do um, occasionally. Yeah, if the, you guys are talking about something that I'm interested in, it's in my feed. So, so do you feel like the Matt Patches on this show is the same one that you live with? Like, do people get a fair sense of who he is? Um, uh, I don't know. That's actually a really good question. It's hard to say. I, he's just you know more schmoopy with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, really? What's the synonym of schmoopy? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you, you're missing that side of him, at least. But I think yeah. sometimes he can he can bring his uh, you know the emotional side out. So does he do like a, a different voice just for you <laughs> that podcast listeners wouldn't recognize? Uh, I want to say no, but that might not be true. Mm-hmm. Does he do a different voice for his cats that he doesn't do for podcast listeners? Yes. Yeah. See, that's what we're really missing out on. <laughs> Well, yes, we both love our cats very much. How much overlap do you guys have in the, the, I guess, the pop culture that you seek out? Because I know that we used to have a very briefly lived podcast about Adventure Time. And all the time I've had conversations about you guys, with the both of you, it's usually been about animation. So is there like a certain thing or is that just like you want to spend some time watching some TV together and the animated stuff's really good right now? Yeah, it's really rare that we have, uh, that I'll be watching something that he doesn't want to watch and vice versa. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's good. I think that, I mean, I sat down and watched the entirety of RuPaul's Drag Race when he was out at different events, and, and that wasn't <laughs> an overlap. And But also, like, sometimes I'll be watching something, and he initially shows no interest, and then he gets sucked in. Now, um, have you That's what happened to, to Gilmore Girls. What? Oh, oh, no. I was, you said <laughs> no, the magic more. words. You're going to get slimed now. Uh, are you... Are, have you listened to Hamilton? Is no. that No. So you and Patches have both abstained. Yes. You're united front. Um, yeah, I keep getting pressured to do so, but... I just, I'm, I'm, I'm holding strong. I'm fascinated to see what's going to finally break you guys. I mean, I guess getting tickets to see it would be the. Uh, it's like, only a matter of time. Before you like, before they, before yeah. you shell out two hundred bucks for tickets, or that, just yeah, know. before something cracks your spirit, yeah. <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> well, is, there, is there something that like is like your thing that like like a movie you return to or a show that you watch or like something that you both feel like equally attached to? Maybe. Oh wow, that's a really good question. Um. I want to. Nothing is coming to mind off the top of my head, just because you know we have things. We 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 go through cycles. Like right now, uh, yeah, we're we're are the one thing that we're both um, kind of connecting on is uh, Steven Universe. To what Dave was saying earlier, that we do like animation. Um, but yeah, if we just have a TV show at a time, we'll be connecting on that. But I don't know if there's anything that we really like touch point touch on again and again. But you'll also, uh, you've been down for things like Arnold Schwarzenegger marathons that uh, 
I feel like some other significant others on this show would not, would just say, you do this on your own. I'm out. <laughs> well, it's not. Okay. So if he is watching something like Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, I will be on the couch while that is happening, but I may not be engaging with it fully. Ah. <laughs> so I feel, I feel like the that's, room. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's secretly the only way to live with uh, <laughs> people who do things like that is you have to, uh, you have to pick your engagement wisely. Yeah. Oh, well, we also went to the Jean-Claude Van Damme marathon at the Draft House last year, last January. So that was that was a full that was an investment. Although after a while it was, you know, I I did enjoy myself. So that was good. Mainlining Van Damme. <laughs> Which I, I'm also I'm not a big action movie fan. So that was kind of all new to me. I hadn't seen. Any- Were there any of the Van Damme films that you preferred to Fury Road? Oh, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> Surprised if you can tell them. Did you guys see the one Sudden Death that takes place at the hockey game? Yes, we did. Right. I, that's that's up there with Fury Road. <laughs> well, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, I, might be over Fury Road for me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I praise Jean Claude if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I'm just going to get slaughtered by everybody that hears this um, for not liking Fury Road. Oh, whatever. They've <laughs> they've listened to David trash all kinds of things that they love. If they've survived that, they'll. Uh, <laughs> They'll manage. Um, wait, did you guys read the review to Michael that I can now read to Michelle? Did no, you but you should read it to Michelle. Damn it. We did other stuff. We, we did, did. We everybody knows where you stand on this podcast, Katie. We need to. We need to hear from Michelle <laughs> where, where Patches stands. Okay, so Michelle, we have this review that uh, is listed as one of the most helpful on iTunes that describes all of us as elements of a sandwich. And I want to read you what patches is and you can weigh in on whether or not that's true. Okay. The first sentence patches is the bread white, maybe potato holds the sandwich (laughs) together. Wow. Well, he's holding it together for once. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) He's not the blue. He's the, he's the white bread. Um, well he is white. Uh, that's true. (laughs) And from Uh, Pennsylvania, a very white state. Yeah. It was potato bread of Pennsylvania thing. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, sure. That, that's, that sounds good to me. That's accurate. All right. Well, thank your, you, your Michelle. Your life together? Wait, we're Wait, talking what? about important things. <laughs> does, he, does he hold your life together? Um, like the sandwich? <laughs> my or, life or our conjoined life together? Either I don't know. Are, are you the meat for this? I don't know. That's taking it dirty. Which one of you is the bread in your relationship? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, we're each a slice of bread. And That's the cats cool. are the meat. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <That> sounds horrible. <laughs> it sounds less foul than... What I the way that I was forming the question, so I'll we can just go with that. Okay, good. Yeah, cat I'll, sandwich. I'll, I'll cut you off. Cat sandwich. Um, thank you, Michelle. I, uh, I we're all looking forward to your wedding. So uh, thanks, we'll, Michelle. We'll, we'll play this audio at your wedding just to uh, really encapsulate your relationship. Yeah, oh, everybody gosh. will love it. Yeah, oh. I think I think people would really like that. Looking forward to it. I'm very <laughs> glad that I single handedly brought you and Patches together. <laughs> It is. It's your fault. <laughs> it is the that is the most romantic uh, film related story on this episode. I'm sure. Oh. That film's greatest and only legacy. Y'all is corny with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. I'm so possessive, so I rock his rock necklaces. My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. All right, Java. Yeah. Who are you? What do you do? <laughs> Wait, no. Start with start with just oh. one. 
Okay, One question fine. at a time. Bye. Java, who are you? Hello, I'm Java. I'm many things, but one of them is uh, Dave's girlfriend. You're so much more than that. No, that I'd say <laughs> You're that so much more than that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, well, Dave's girlfriend, and you live with him in Colorado. Is that true? Yes, we live in Denver. You left us. I did. No, wait. That's I'm not trying to guilt trip you here, but you used to live in New York. Yes, and I grew up in L.A. I think I just like moving. I'm a nomad. <laughs> Uh, I want you to know that whenever I reference you guys leaving New York, I am explicitly guilt tripping you. Okay. Uh, so just so we set the record straight on that. Uh, and what the question that Matt wrote or that Dave wrote, so we'll blame your boyfriend for this, is what do you question mark? But I believe we're supposed to say what do you do? No, what do you? What do what you? Do, what do what you? Do you? <laughs> um, well, currently I... What I do for work is I work at one of Denver's nonprofit public institutions. Um, mm. And then, you know, what I do for life is just like hang out. That's pretty cool. We like hanging out. Hanging out's fun. Yeah. You chill. Yeah. You chill. How- <laughs> Wait, I have seen you write about coffee. True or false? Yes, I was a barista for several years and I have a lot of opinions on coffee, which is like. It's like a weird thing to have an opinion on. Like what is good coffee or? Yeah, like how it's grown, where it's grown, what are the best like roasting and brewing processes, you know, I get nerdy about coffee. uh, Where's your favorite coffee from? Yeah, we must know. Recommendations. Well, I really like um, Central American coffee and then I'm pretty... Uh, I really love Stumptown, which you guys have in New York, and we unfortunately don't here in Denver. But mm. I like drank the Kool Aid because I like worked at a coffee shop that sold Stumptown. Stumptown coffee. serves Kool Aid. <laughs> <laughs> I drank their Kool Aid. You know, the hipster cafe. Yes, the, the, the hipster Kool Aid. The cult of Stumptown is. Yeah, I'm into it. Fair. So. Okay. So and- were you like were you like a career barista, or did this just like were you doing this on the side and then happened to find out that you were passionate about coffee? I. You know, honestly, I just felt like I had to live up to my nickname, so it felt pretty pretty forced upon me. No, um, I was a barista, like, all throughout undergrad and grad school, just sort of working part-time, and then I, like, realized that I kind of liked the culture, and even though, like, it can be, like, physically exhausting and a lot of, like, people who drink coffee are assholes, um, it is still kind of a, a fun, foodie culture and uh, a really big industry, coffee's like the second biggest commodity in the world after oil. So it just was something I just ended up falling into and doing for many years. And then I stopped and- because I had tendonitis issues. Oh, wow. Uh, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. how, how did you meet the man we know as Dave Seven? Uh, I met Dave through uh, our friend that we all know, Rachel. Um, I went to high school with Rachel in Los Angeles and, uh, you know, Rachel and Dave both went to NYU. And then when I moved to New York, Rachel sort of introduced me to all her friends. And I think I actually... Rachel's like, yeah. you want this one? Yes, please. Exactly. Rachel yeah. is a good introducer of people. She yes, is. I very, mean, I pretty good. much know all of you through Rachel, too. So I think I know at least David and Dave through Rachel. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Wow. Rachel's great, yeah. She is the nexus of all roads. (laughs) And uh, did did you guys hit it off immediately, or was it a slow burn? 
Uh, I mean, we were friends for two years before we started dating. Actually, at David, at one of your New Year's Eve parties, I think Dave like asked me out. But I like, I mean, I was like drunk and I, I think I like laughed in his face or something. That's what he said. I don't remember, but that's what he claims. Mm. Well, David, you are the nexus of like all of yes. this. Yeah. Rachel knocks the pins up and I exactly. set them down. Exactly. I was about to say, I guess if you have an apartment big enough to house yeah, this is true. Once upon a time, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, Those are good parties. And now, Java, yes. what would you say is your relationship with or taste in? movies and pop culture does it often align with dave's or are you guys completely at odds how many spider-man figures do you have hanging up in your apartment (laughs) um none uh but uh no i mean dave and i almost never agree on anything uh we have very uh, you know our similar our tastes are very unalike um the only main similarity is is that we both love art and culture and politics and we're both very passionate about them. But as far as specific tastes, we like never see eye to eye. Now, speaking of Spider-Man in particular, and correct me if this is wrong, uh, does, is it true or false that Dave has a wing of the apartment that is devoted to Spider-Man? <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I want to respect his like geekiness, even though it's like not something I'm into. So, to do that, we don't do it here. But no. <laughs> he has a desk area that uh, you know he has put up like a lot of Spider-Man and Star Wars stuff. He has a lot of toys, um, and you know I told him he can put some stuff up. But yeah, they're like designated spots because I'm kind of like a minimalist and I hate clutter and I'm not a hoarder. So I hate like just shit like being all over the apartment. And if it was up to Dave, it would just be like covered in like comic book superhero-y stuff, and that would be a little, like, overwhelming for me. This sounds so, like an amazing compromise, honestly. Like, I know. I'm very impressed by this. This gives me so much hope. <laughs> but Dave's shit is not encroaching into Java's space, is, the, is what I'm getting from this. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Dave, from, from my experience knowing him and also from doing the show, uh, seems to be, you know, opinionated, but also uh, very accepting of what other people have to say about certain things. Can, are there things that you and he have gotten into very heated conversations about uh, pop culturally, or does he typically, if you really disagree with him, who will be pulling the punches and who will be sort of uh, laying into the other person? Well, we're both pretty argumentative. The thing is, is that Dave likes having like a debate whereas like I get like really emotional and I just want to be left alone and that's kind of like Mm. the introvert in me um but yeah you're right he is very respectful and he always wants to know my opinion and like I usually like need to like if we both go and see a movie together I don't want to immediately respond to it like I want to just let it settle in and sink in and then maybe in a week I can like give a more full response of how I felt about it. And Dave wants to like, you know, immediately start talking about it. So, and we, and since we very rarely see a movie that we both like, it usually like, you know, if we go, if it's like a movie, like date night, it usually ends in a fight. (laughs) As the best date nights do. I, from my own experience. Do you remember the last time you guys saw a movie that you both liked? Ooh, um, 
Occasionally, we'll both agree on certain aspects of a movie. Like, you know, maybe we'll both like the cinematography or the score or the acting. Um, But uh, I feel like the last movie in theaters that we both really, really, really loved was Moonrise Kingdom that we saw together. That's, it's been a minute. Yeah. Since, uh, <laughs> yeah. There's been another movie. Yeah. Um, well, that's so when bad. Dave like when Dave's like, oh, okay, I gotta go see Deadpool. Are you just like, okay, go have fun, or do you ever like want to join him, even if you know you might not agree on it? Sometimes, yeah. Like, uh, especially for things he gets like when he goes to screenings. Like we saw like Jurassic World together. Every once in a while, I'm like curious about a movie. Um, so I'll, like, ask him if, like, we can go together. Like, I want to see the new Superman-Batman movie because Henry Cavill's, like, the most beautiful human being on the planet. So, Solid like, argument. Yeah. You know that you can look at, like, a picture of him no, for free right now. It's not, it's, as, like, it's not as fun as, like, him in his, like, you know, skin-tight, like, Superman outfit. Did you see Man from Uncle? I didn't. I did want to, but it was oh, just I, it. I just like honestly don't go to the theater as much as I used to. Like growing up in LA, like as a teenager, I went to the movies all the time just because at literally every block there's like a theater. You're living the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You probably yeah. turned around and you sure. were like, Leo, exactly. baby. Sure, yeah. So but now right? I don't exactly. I don't really see I don't go to the theaters that as much as I used to. So well, what what movies? You know, we talked about a lot about Dave, but I'm curious what movies that you've really responded to over the years. Maybe your favorite films from when you were younger, or if, films that you've seen recently. Just like stuff that you've really responded to that maybe Dave doesn't take to. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't mind like big sci-fi fantasy films, but I think in general, I sort of like the smaller films. Um, I like realistic fiction. It um, and. I like movies with strong female leads, according to Netflix. And um, <laughs> I, I love period pieces. Like, if I had to, like, pick a genre that I'm, like, obsessed with, um, that's probably, like, that's my jam, you know? Like, Does a movie come to mind? Um, well, I really... <laughs> I so I love like Jane Austen adaptations. Um, I just in general like adaptations. It's interesting to see uh, one uh, person's like subjective viewpoint of like s- something that I also read. You know, mm. so mm. adaptations are like very fascinating to me, and like specifically because there are so many Jane Austen adaptations out there, and I really love um, Ang Lee's Sense and Sensibility. Like, I watch that, like, all the time because it's just so beautiful and so well done. Um, I also Do you prefer the Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice or the miniseries Pride and Prejudice? Or Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. (laughs) That's also an option. (laughs) I haven't seen that last one yet, but um, I – you know what? I like both. I know most people prefer the miniseries, and I I do too, but I feel like in a miniseries you just literally have more time to, like, dive into – um, a piece of work, and so I, I feel like the Joe Wright one, sometimes stylistically, I feel like it felt more like the Bronte sisters than Austin. There was a lot of like you know wallowing around and like beautiful shots of like England, which I feel like aren't in the Damn. like Austin narrative. Um, what an amazing distinction! Yeah, I have never way. heard anyone describe the movie that way, and that is so fascinating. <laughs> It's, it's cinematically, I feel like it totally makes sense. And I actually, despite the fact that Joe Wright's British, I think, 
Um, I feel like it was made for an American audience um, because it's so overly romantic and just Mm. like pretty and picturesque in a way that like Austin's novels kind of aren't, Um, especially Pride and Prejudice. Some of our other work, you could make an argument, but it felt a little bit more like Weathering Heights in certain scenes, which was kind of awkward, but I feel like for the most part, it's a pretty like interesting, um, enjoyable adaptation. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Now, Dave wrote a question here that I'm struggling to wrap my mind around about personal stories tied to movie lives and or how do distinct culturally aware personalities <laughs> mesh successfully? I like I like that you're reading them verbatim. Well, you know, if uh, I'm I'm interviewing <laughs> the girlfriend of the man who wrote this, so I want to make sure that I get it right and respect his wishes. Um, but do, think, you, do you understand that question better than I do? I think do? I understand that question, which is basically, like, for you guys, like, I guess when you're, like, living your day-to-day life, like, how does pop culture, like, affect the way that you guys live your lives together? I mean, you say you disagree on a lot of things, you have really different tastes, you really have separate pop culture lives, or is it something that, like, you guys will, like, unite on on a Tuesday night or... You know, have like have a touchstone that is related to pop culture in your relationship. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, usually when something excites me, it's either because it's like an artist I just really like or follow, or because something happened in pop culture that sort of touches upon like political issues I'm invested in, like intersectionality politics. So, like, whenever Beyonce like drops a new song, I like not only love it because it's a good song, but I get to, like, talk about, like, the gender, racial, like, underlying, like, thing that's going on in the songs. And I feel like Dave, like, like, when Formation dropped, like, that was a thing for me for, like, a week. And then it wasn't, like, as big of a deal for Dave. (laughs) So I had to, like, make him watch the video and be like, you know, you need to watch this ten more times because it's just so great. So those are are the things that maybe on a day-to-day will like interest me in the pop culture world um and it's something that you want to like when something interests you like that you want to make sure you share it with him yeah yeah usually like if it's something where i feel like he's just not going to care about i probably won't but if it's something where i'm like and does he have the same respect for you in terms of not trying i mean not necessarily respect but maybe the resignation of not trying to win you over to caring about the marvel stuff and the spider-man and all that stuff or uh, Although there's a lot of crossover there. I mean, I feel like we're at a very important moment in kind of superhero culture where it's like grow up, start recognizing the the spectrum of issues on the table. And there might be a lot of crossover there. There might be a lot of conversation to have about where's the female I, uh, superhero? Where's the, I mean, there's definitely that conversation to have. But Java, is that a conversation you have with him? Can Dave change that? I, I mean, yeah. Um I think, like, okay, well, because Dave writes so much about um, Marvel and Star Wars specifically, he can't help but, like, talk about it at the end of the day. And usually he'll be like, you know, if you don't want to listen to this, or, like, he'll apologize or something, but... <laughs> everyone- I'll go podcast into the abyss. Yeah. yeah, this is why we all have podcasts. We don't harass our significant others with all this stuff. But, I mean, <laughs> because, because Dave, um, he researches so many different aspects of these franchises, um, and has sort of learned all the ins and outs. Like, occasionally there is things about, like, even if it's, like, maybe on the business side or, like, why certain things are getting made and why certain things aren't or, like, 
you know, I I always I've seen a lot of these movies that he like is obsessed with and writes about all these like franchises. And usually for me, it's like I can enjoy them sort of on an entertainment level as long as I like go in with like the lowest expectations. Um, (laughs) But I uh, usually not super invested in talking about them. But again, unless they sort of like if we can have a greater conversation about like the movie industry and why it's so franchise obsessed right now, that's like a conversation I'll be like interested in having with him. So what did you think of Star Wars? I didn't. I haven't seen the new Star Wars yet. Wow, that rules! <laughs> that really does rule. Um, you know, Dave's like already seen it three times, so I feel like that's enough for the both of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't see it with him that opening weekend, then like he's already so far ahead of you that it's like, eh, who, yeah. Yeah, he just... also is just like I feel like I already know what happens because mm-hmm. yeah. so many people talk about it. It's like Game of Thrones. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but like. So many people in my life watch it that I feel like I know a lot about it. Can, can you just and, give me the one-minute summary of the new Star Wars movie based on your own <laughs> idea of what it is? Uh, Ray is, like, someone's kid, and I guess that's, like, the like mystery everyone's waiting to find out. Like, sure. Um, yep. And uh, Oscar Isaac is hot, and BB-8 is, uh, like, the coolest robot ever. That's, like, that's the movie, pretty- right? <laughs> That's pretty, pretty much. That's yeah. That's pretty much yeah. what they want you to take away from <laughs> that's it. That's Yeah. Now buy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> buy all the toys. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, Java, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. I feel like. Oh wait, the, wait! What? I have to. I want to oh, read her. I want to oh, read the review. Oh, oh, I'm the only one who likes this. I think. Oh, okay. So we have this review that our listener left that's listed as one of the most helpful uh, iTunes that uh, describes this each as elements of a sandwich. <laughs> and uh, Java, I just want you to say if the description of Dave is accurate. Uh, it says, Dave is the cheese. Not essential, but delicious when he's there. <laughs> That's actually like how I would describe him as a boyfriend. <laughs> Maybe this is written by someone who knows. I don't know. <laughs> Are you, uh, he, yeah, he's like Patty Wren. Yeah, you know, like, it's, you know, he's a very important part of my life. And when he's like being awesome, he's awesome. And yeah. And when he's not, you know. <laughs> when he's not, I just kind of ignore it and, you know, pretend he's like this dude that lives with me. Yeah. There's always pride <laughs> of prejudice. Yeah. Mr. Darcy. That's true. Hey, Mr. Darcy was a dick. Like, he, he actually true. makes most boyfriends uh, better. Just yeah, for, he's uh, not my ideal, like, Austin man. No. Wait, who is, just for the record? You know, I kind of, I'm not sure if I have one, but... Uh, that's, yeah, I, I, I feel like the point of the Austin novels are like that marriage is like this financial compromise people made. So like, that's the thing. I don't really think they're like these great romances. I think they're just sort of these like very pragmatic, witty books. All right. And on that note, that (laughs) the rest of us are all engaged or married. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing fine. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, Java. Oh, thank you. And uh, we look forward to you guys moving back to New York shortly. (laughs) I do too. I miss I miss New York. New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down. New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down. 
like a rat in a cage, pulling minimum wage. New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down. So that does it for this special quarter quell episode of Fighting in the War Room. We'll be back next week with more regular episodes and then uh, in less than 25 episodes with another quarter quell because this one came a little late. But thank you for waiting. Hopefully it was worth it. Uh, I guess in the meantime, uh, we didn't have our significant others give their Twitter handles, so maybe we can give them for them. Yeah, no, oh, that's, that's okay. Good. Listen, maybe not. <laughs> maybe I, I, I don't think figures, my significant other... Sure, maybe they don't want to be... I don't think they don't my other wants anyone following her on Twitter. Just hunt us down. She's no, shaking her head no. <laughs> okay. Don't follow just, her. So just us. So who are you guys? Uh, I'm Matt Patches. I'm the entertainment editor of Thrillist.com. And I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. I'm David Ehrlich. I'm a staff writer at Rolling Stone and a critic over at Slate. And you can find me at Twitter at David Ehrlich. I'm the chain to Jabba's ball. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E. And I am Katie Rich, and I'm at VanityFair.com and on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. Thank you for listening. Thank you for 100 great episodes, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong, and just maybe you're